Entrepreneur on Fire, 851. Barbara, it's going to cost you a quarter million dollars to find out how big my shoes are. What are you waiting for? Tickets to a rocket ship? Visit freepodcastcourse.com and prepare to ignite. Set your business apart from the competition by rediscovering the lost art of human interaction. Visit callruby.com slash fire and use promo code fire. In addition to your 14-day free trial, you'll receive 5% off plans plus free activation. Selection, speed, and creativity are just a few of the benefits of having several designers work on your project. Start your next design project at 99designs.com slash fire and get a $99 power pack of services free. Who's ready to rock today, Fire Nation? John Lee Doom is here, and I am fired up to bring you our featured guest today, Michael Levin. Michael, are you prepared to ignite? Yes, I am. (laughs) All right. (laughs) New York Times bestselling author, Michael has written, co-written, or ghostwritten more than 100 books, of which 11 are national bestsellers. He appeared on ABC's Shark Tank on January 20th, 2012. Michael, I've given Fire Nation just a little insight, so share more about you personally, then expound upon the biz. Oh, sure. Uh, I'm a book guy. I love books. I love the power of books. I always have. I'm a lawyer by training. I did not want to practice law. I envied the clients because they got to leave uh, our office (laughs) after they were done with us and we were stuck there doing whatever we had to do. And uh, fortunately, I kept failing the bar. So uh, they fired me and I was unemployable as an attorney. Uh, I started a business 20 years ago that was initially offering writing classes and that turned into people saying, consult with me. On my book, and that turned into people saying, "Just write it for me." So I backed into ghostwriting, and today I have a team of twenty, and we've done—it's actually uh, more than two hundred and forty books at this point. Whoa! We've done books for business leaders in all fields. We work with Michael Gerber and Jay Abraham, and uh, Dave Winfield of the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame, and the late Pat Summerall. I edited uh, Zig Ziglar's last book, um, and we, we work with a lot of financial advisors, a lot of entrepreneurs, uh, basically anybody who has a positive message to put out, whether it's business or personal, uh, we basically take them from, I want to write a book to I'm holding my book. And it's really fun most of the time. So that's, that's kind of how it is. That's a great message that you're sharing right now, because the reality is, Michael, a lot of these entrepreneurs, especially the names that you're, you're sharing, they have a lot going on. Let's be frank. You know, they're doing speaking tours, they're creating communities, they're doing a lot of different things. And People that are out there right now that are listening to this message are enjoying this via audio, but there are a certain proportion of the population that wants to consume this via the written word or maybe an audio book or or maybe any other form of video, you name it. And that is the power that you're delivering it to people that can enjoy it like Fire Nation on a very consistent level. And there's a lot of things I want to dive into. I mean, you threw out some big boy names. You know, I love all these guys you're working with. I'm a huge fan of Shark Tank too, so hopefully that comes up at some point. But listen, you're in the driver's seat, Michael. I'm going to ask to t- ask you to take us through your journey as an entrepreneur, as a writer, however you want to play this. But we'd like to start with a tough time, with a difficult time, because it's not all roses and rainbows, so to speak. So take us to what you would consider your worst business or entrepreneurial moments. Take us there and, and really tell us that story. You know, John, uh, when you sent me that question so that I could prepare for this, 
I realized there were so many horrible moments to choose from. <laughs> and the reality is that I backed into entrepreneurship. I never expected to be a business owner or an employer. And I'm grateful and I love doing it, but it's certainly not what I had predicted from. I thought I was just going to write novels and, uh, and, and sit by the pool. And instead, here I am doing this. Probably the, the, the single worst moment was the first year that I actually started to make real money. And uh, I brought my wife in and we're sitting down with the accountant. And he says, by the way, uh, your tax bill, uh, you, you, know, you need to write me a, or give me a check for $90,000 for the IRS. Oh. I didn't have $90,000. I probably didn't have $9,000. So that was, you know, and my wife is sitting right there. So she got to witness that. That was unpleasant. Uh, that might have, I, I, I cannot think of another moment that was quite as uh, shocking as that, just because I was so proud of myself, because we were finally, uh, you know, uh, uh, seeing some success in the business, except that I just didn't have any financial controls or really any idea of what I was doing financially, and boom. So that took some doing to get out from under, but, uh, you know, we did and moved on. So that would be the worst moment. This is an incredibly important point to really talk about for a second here, Michael, for our listeners for Fire Nation, because I can tell you firsthand as well. I mean, that first tax bill you get after working hard for a year and you know just trying to make it happen, and yes, there's money coming in, but oh boy, you better believe there's money going out too, and it's just all this big cycle and whirlwind of all this activity. It's so important to, as soon as you can, preferably from day one, get that financial side in order. And, you know, for me, I was so fortunate. I had a listener reach out to me and say, hey, John, like, you're starting to make some legitimate dollars. Like, I really think you need to have an account. If you don't already have one, I'm a big fan of the show. Can we talk? And that conversation turned into what is now a very professional relationship. And this guy's actually changed his brand to CPA on fire because, you know, we just really enjoy working together. And he's really associated with my business now. But it's so critical. I mean, who knows, you know, when you go from corporate America and, you know, all your taxes are taken care of, you know, when you're just getting them automatically out of your paycheck, that there's a thing called quarterly, you know, estimated earnings taxes that you have to be paying out literally every three months. And these can be big checks when you're making a lot of money. And, you know, these are things that are so important if you want to run a successful business in the long run, Fire Nation. So thanks for bringing that up, Michael. And if you could just share with our listeners, like, what's the biggest takeaway that you want the entrepreneurs listening right now to really walk away with from that experience? Well, from that experience, basically, yeah, just keep your financial house in order and uh, don't spend it just because you've got it. Um, but the, 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 you know, for me, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a lot of different things. I'm a vegetarian. Uh, my politics are of a certain brand. My religious leanings or you know, whatever they are. The only thing I'm evangelical about is entrepreneurship. <laughs> there's nothing, and, and, and if you get me started on it, there's nothing in the world to me that is as wonderful as the fact that in this great free society of ours, you can figure out what it is that you love the most and then provide a service and that there are people who, who will need it and they'll respect you for it. And the government will certainly take its share or a little bit more. But the thing is that you have the freedom here as perhaps nowhere on earth, as perhaps nowhere in human history to develop the thing you love into a business that will serve others, that will bring you enjoyment, that will allow you to take care of your family with dignity and freedom. There's never been anything like it. And then if you're fortunate enough, you can get to a point where you can sell the thing and, uh, and, and then do something else or do nothing. Uh, but there's so, so, so you and I are probably singing from the same hymn when it comes to the, the, the absolute importance of entrepreneurship in our society. 
Well, Michael, you told me not to get you started on it, but I'm going to get you started on it because that's exactly what we're talking about here today is entrepreneurship, the amazingness, the opportunities. You know, you shared that difficult experience that you've had and the lessons that we can all learn from that. But now let's talk about a light bulb. Let's talk about an aha moment that went on at some point in your entrepreneurial journey. I mean, you've had many of them and you have many more in the future, but what's one specific story that you want to tell our listeners today of that epiphany moment that really stands out to you? Sure, I'm happy to. And it happened on Shark Tank. Uh, I, I was interviewing the executive producer of that show for a different book. And he said, have you ever thought about applying for our show? And I looked at him, I said, no, I don't think my business is sexy enough. He said, I disagree. I want you to apply. So I did. And I jumped through the hoops and sent in the videos and the whole thing. And because I guess he was watching out for me, it happened. And uh, the day that it taped, I went in there and I went into the tank and, and, uh, and, and I was, you know, grilled by the, uh, the sharks, uh, just as you see on TV. And it was, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's quite the experience when they're all yelling questions at you and you do your best to, uh, to, to hold your ground. And uh, the, thing that, the thing that happened was that they were giving me such enormous respect as an, as an entrepreneur and as a business owner. And until then, I thought of myself as a writer guy who happened to run a business, but not a business owner and, and not a real entrepreneur. I, I didn't see myself as a real entrepreneur. And these guys are... Successful business, they're highly successful business people. They see a lot of uh, people coming and going who are offering them all kinds of uh, uh, crazy deals. And they didn't fund me, which is okay. I don't really need investors. I don't really uh, have, 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 have a need for a partner in that manner. But the thing is that the, the respect they accorded me as an entrepreneur and as a business owner uh, literally changed the way I saw myself. It was as though they were performing an intervention on me, an entrepreneurship intervention on me in front of 6 million viewers. And uh, yeah, okay. has the business quadrupled since I went on Shark Tank? Yes. Has it changed everything? Absolutely. Uh, and then every time it re-airs, and it re-airs every quarter or so, uh, the phone jumps off the hook all over again. And for that, I'm incredibly grateful. But the main thing is that the biggest aha moment I've had in my career as a business owner or entrepreneur was, was just simply the, the, the respect they gave me for what I had created. And that was that, that was huge. That, 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 that was just the biggest change in the way I, I, I perceived myself. And that really freed me up to uh, to embrace my role as entrepreneur, business owner, employer and taxpayer and, uh, and, and, to, and to maximize on uh, on the gifts I've been given and, and on the uh, and, and on what we've all created at, at Business Ghost or now Business Ghost on Fire. Business goes on a fire. You just heard the rebrand, Fire Nation. I love it. And Michael, when I'm hearing you talk about that part in your journey, one word just keeps jumping off the microphone to me, and that's confidence. And how important a role confidence plays in the journey of entrepreneurs. I mean, it is so critical to have that confidence, to have that belief that whatever you're doing is something of value, does have a valuable message. Like it took me a lot of confidence. When I first launched my show over two and a half years ago, I reached out to Barbara Corcoran of Shark Tank and I said, hey, I'm this nobody with no audience in this podcast that just got going, but you're amazing. I'd love to have you on my show. And a week later, I'm on a 45-minute one-on-one conversation with Barbara Corcoran on Entrepreneur on Fire, and I had a blast. It gave me so much confidence. It gave my show, you know, a ton of credibility, and I've just continued to build off of that. And since then, you know, I had the Tim Ferriss and the Gary Vaynerchuks and the Brian Tracys, 
And it's all starting with that one little thing of confidence. So Fire Nation, what can you do to get your confidence going like I was able to, like Michael's been able to? And Michael, what do you want our listeners to really take away from that aha moment in your life? Well, first of all, I've got a Barbara Corcoran story that we can get into. Yes, let's do it. Well, I, I, I we'll come back to that. Okay, I want I want to keep to the uh, the straight and narrow because it's it was it was a little shocking to me uh, something she said to me uh, as 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 I was leaving the uh, the, the, the tank. Uh, but uh, so I'll just leave the, the, your listeners hanging for teaser. that. Teaser. That's a teaser. So as far as confidence goes, and you're asking an incredibly important question. I have a client who is who became uh, not just a mentor but really like a father figure to me, and a very very lovely man. He's in his mid to late seventies now. And he started from nothing, and he built up a commercial real estate empire that's probably worth uh, close to a billion dollars. And he did it with integrity and kindness and, and guts. And what he said about confidence is really very important. He said confidence is a long-term proposition. It's not something that comes overnight. He said if somebody has a business success, you know, like a, a, a dot-com something, and it, and it takes off, and they make $100 million or 500 he said they, they still don't necessarily have confidence in themselves because they sit there and they say, how am I ever going to repeat that? And confidence comes over a period of time by doing it and doing it and doing it again and, and just staying with what you have to do and what's in front of you and not wavering and not quitting. And eventually, you reach a point where you say to yourself, hey, you know something? Not only can I do this, but I could do that. And, and for me, the takeaway there is, don't wait for confidence. Do the things that a confident person would do. Act as if you already were confident about it. And, you know, I mean, I, I still write novels. That's my pride and joy. I'm, I'm working on the third novel of a trilogy right now. This morning I did a little bit of work on it, and I'm sitting there, and there's a voice inside me that's saying, why do you bother? No one's ever going to read this. But the reality is I've done three novels with Simon & Schuster. I've done two with Putnam. Uh, and and uh, we've ghosted some highly successful novels that I've written for clients at Business Ghost. And there's every reason to believe that, yes, this will be very successful. But the thing is that if I listened to the voice that says, no, you can't, I would never get anywhere. And that's true for everybody who's listening right now. Michael, hearing you say the phrase, doing it and doing it and doing it, what it really makes me go back to is this quote that I love. It's, if you want to be, do. And it can really sometimes be that simple. Like you wanted to be a writer, you had to actually sit down and write. I wanted to be a podcaster. I had to turn on a microphone at some point and speak into it. And I was never going to be good the first 50 times I did it, but I had to keep doing it. So I love that message. And Michael, we're moving into the next section, which I call the 60 second questions. And, you know, that's the loose time frame I like to stick to. But I would love for you to share with our listeners what do the first 60 minutes of your day look like ideally? Yeah, that's a great question. And, it's probably not that different for me from, from, from a lot of other people. It's really about getting my priorities in order, determining uh, what I'm going to do. And the late Chet Holmes really had the best piece of advice about time management. He said, time management is emotion management. And if you can manage your emotions, you don't have to worry about time. And he said, it really comes down to deciding what are your six major priorities for the day, up to six major priorities. And then you just do them one at a time without interruption, and you do the next one, and then when that's done, you do the next one, and then you do the next one. And of course, there are moments when I'll break away and sort of check the email or talk to my operations person and find out what's going on and what she needs from me and, uh, and, and, and where things are with various projects. And I'll, and I'll, and I'll keep a, a list of you know, tasks or notes or things that I have to check up on. 
But for me, the main thing is uh, prioritizing the key things that need to happen today and then committing to getting them done no matter what. And uh, the guy who wrote uh, what, the, what you uh, didn't learn at Harvard Business School had a really great uh, point in one of his books. He said, uh, lots of people are really great at getting their days started, but a lot of those people are no good at finishing. They finish their work and then they dawdle for an hour. They hang around. They don't get anything done in that last hour. As soon as I'm finished, I pack up and go home because I've got a wife and four kids and they've got as much of a command over my time as, uh, as my job. So that's basically it. What is your biggest strength as an entrepreneur? I'm too dumb to quit. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, it really, I saw a study uh, not too long, or actually about four or five years ago, that said that most businesses fail in the first year and that only 4% of businesses uh, succeed past uh, the 10th year. And my business was in its 15th year when I read that. And I sort of scratched my head because, you know, I have no business training. I'm a lawyer, which means that I'm, I'm, I'm an idiot when it comes to anything dealing with business, but my business was still here and so many were not. And the simple case, so I, I had to ask myself, why? And the answer is, uh, writing is in, in many ways, it's my only marketable skill. It's the only thing I'm, I'm, I'm great at. It's the only thing that, 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 that where I can make a huge, I, I, I think there are people who are better writers than I am, but there's no one better on earth than planning a book for a person that turns them into a thought leader or uh, develops huge amounts of business for them. And that's the skill that I've got. And that's the horse I've got to ride. So I don't get distracted. I don't have other skills or other talents. I have hobbies, but nobody's going to pay me to, you know, to run a six hour marathon or, or sing, you know, sing, you know, in a mediocre way. This is the only thing that I can monetize. And since I, and, and since it happens to be the thing I love the most, then why not stay with it? So it really comes down to the fact that just, just staying with it. And as I said earlier, doing it and doing it and doing it, getting better at it, developing a good reputation, and, and, and then letting, letting the business grow and uh, you know, trying to get out of its way. What's your biggest weakness as an entrepreneur? It's me overall. I'm the, biggest, I'm the weakest link in my business in many ways because everybody else who does what they do are trained for it. Our marketing person has a background in marketing. Our operations person is fabulous at operations. It's just, it's just natural for her. The, our writers are awesome. Our interviewers have uh, worked for, have written Harvard Business School case studies, or they've, they've written a thousand articles for IBM. And I'm the only person in a job in my company who doesn't have any training for that job. And he, and he, yeah, I, I mean, I didn't go to business school. I, I, I've, I've since gone to sales training and I've gone to, uh, and, I've, and, and, I, and I attend a, a program for entrepreneurs and I, I, I read a million books and I've gone to negotiation seminars and I've, you know, I do everything under the sun to improve. But at the end of the day, uh, I, I recognize that in my business, uh, unless I'm planning a book, which is my strength, I'm the weakest link. And so I have to be very, very careful not to allow uh, my ignorance or my uh, arrogance uh, to get in the way of our success. What's a habit that you wish you had? It's a great question. I'd say that it would be to have a positive mindset 24-7, to wake up with a positive attitude and to go to sleep with a positive attitude and to stay positive all day long. Uh, the reality is that like most people, I'm prone to, you know, I, I, mean, I don't want to go Oprah on you, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I, but, but I, you know I'm, I'm prone to, 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 to ups and downs, uh, not mood swings that are severe enough to you know, have to put me away somewhere. But definitely, you know, I can get down and, and uh, I can get down over something that's happening with my kids or, or in my marriage or, 
you know, we, we can do really, really great work for a client. And then for whatever reason, the client uh, yells at one of my team members or it doesn't respect the quality of work or, or won't pay or whatever. And, you know, if, if I were Superman, none, I, you know, I'd be covered in Teflon. None of that stuff would touch me. It wouldn't interfere with anything. But that stuff gets to me. And so I have to constantly put the eye over the E, the intellect over the emotions and and uh, and find a way to regain my positive uh, nature uh, without uh, uh, staying too long in, in the negative. So that's I'd say I'd say if I could if I could trade in the negative aspects of my mindset for something that's entirely positive, I'd make that deal in a New York minute. The I over the E, the intellect over the emotional. Was it? That's awesome. That's it. The I over the E. Put the intellect over the emotion. Ah. It's not. It's not about outliving your feelings. It's not about uh, denying your feelings. It's about recognizing that you have them, but not letting them uh, uh, steal precious time. I've only got so much consciousness uh, the, the, in this lifetime, and this is the only life I know I'm going to have. So I don't want to waste any of it bogged down in negativity. Michael, what's the one thing of all the things that you have going on that has you most fired up right now? Well, being a dad, uh, uh, certainly. Because uh, it's fascinating to watch uh, four young people uh, uh, develop. But at, at work, uh, the biggest thing that we're doing this year is that we're specializing. Um, our, we've had people who are writer interviewers, and now we're breaking it off. Uh, some are doing writing, and, and some are doing interviewing. We're bringing in someone to coordinate the uh, the, the flow of chapters uh, and, and 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 the workflow, and make sure the interviews are happening. This takes uh, time, uh, or this this frees up time in my calendar, in my operations person calendar, and allows us to do to do what we do. So uh, I, I'm getting out from under a lot of the tasks that, that that I've had in the past in the business, and that's very exciting. It's very liberating. It gives me you know, my time back. And then um, it, 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 as I move from CEO to chair, essentially in the company, that makes us much more saleable. So to see that sort of exit. Uh, in sight, especially after all this time, uh, uh, is very exciting and very gratifying. Um, and uh, also, you know, it's not about is it going to happen today? Is it going to happen tomorrow? It's just seeing that it's going to happen and, and realizing that all we have to do is just stay the course. And we've got a great plan that we're working from for 2015. So uh, that's that's the thing that's got me the most fired up, getting my time back and making the business more efficient and more saleable. And congratulations. Michael, this is kind of weird. I don't even know if this applies to you, but it's in the flow of questions, so I'm just going to ask it. What is your Barbara Corcoran story? Ah! <laughs> well, here goes. And I've never, John, I've never told this anywhere in public before. Whoa. Well, there's only a couple of people listening, I promise. Good. And if Barbara wants to dispute this, what I would say is roll the tape. <laughs> roll the tape. So here's what happens. The last of the five sharks says he's out or whoever it was. I think it was Mark Cuban. And I'm, I, so I say, I thank you. I'm, you know, I, whatever I said, I'm just, I, I haven't seen the episode all the way through to the end. I, I couldn't, I couldn't bear watching it. So I say whatever I say and thank them and I'm heading out. And then Barbara says, hang on a minute. And I turn and I say, yeah. And she says, I've got a question for you. How big are your shoes? What? I mean, I was just astonished. I mean, you know, it's like asking a woman, you know, uh, you know, you know what I'm saying. I do. You know exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> And I looked at her as if, you know, did I hear that right? And she says, yeah, I was, when you came out, I turned to Robert sitting next to me and I said, look at his shoes. He's got big shoes. How big are those shoes? (laughs) 
And, you know, I had been asking for, I don't know, I guess, you know, I've been asking for a quarter of a million dollars for whatever percentage of the business. So I just said to her, Barbara, it's going to cost you a quarter of a million dollars to find out how big my kids are. <laughs> That's pretty quick, considering you were a little shell-shocked at that question. Oh, yeah. So intriguingly, that exchange did not make air. <laughs> that is intriguing, because I feel like that would be quite a fan favorite. Yeah, I, oh, I, man. That would have so, so now it's just... You and your listeners, you're really the only people, you know, so, I mean, I was, I, I was really blown away by that because it's just, it's so inappropriate. And I think she was just, you know, may, I, I want to give her the benefit of the doubt and just say that she was trying to be funny and, and flip. But, uh, but, you know, if I'd been a woman and she'd asked, uh, or a man had asked uh, a, a similarly uh, a provocative question, <laughs> I think that uh, there would have been lawsuits. I think you're not far from uh, the truth there. And it actually just reminded me, I haven't even thought about this for a while, but, and this is, I can, I could roll the tape because this is actually on the podcast I interviewed her on. She is talking to me. She's like, I just got to stop and say, John, you are really cute. Like I'm looking at your picture right now on Skype and, and it, you're really cute. She's, she's like, I actually just went into business with two guys on Shark Tank um, in, from Maine as well, because I'm from Maine, that, that do this lobster thing. And they're both really cute. You're not as cute as one of them, but you are cuter than the other. And I'm like, she, she's getting really specific right now. And I'm needing to bring her back to the point of the conversation. <laughs> well, John, you are a handsome man, as I can see from uh, the Skype photo. But at the same time, I don't think really that's where the listeners want us to go. No, so. no, that's not where they want us to go. So on that note, Michael, we yes. are going to get back into focus. But before we do, let's take a minute to thank our sponsors. If you're wondering how your small business can stand out in today's increasingly competitive marketplace, I've got one word for you, branding. While building a brand may be easier and more affordable than you imagined, it still does require some time and money. So why is it worth the effort? Because it allows you to stand out. When customers have several choices, branding helps them make a decision. Your brand should highlight your unique virtues and let customers know what they can expect from your small business. In a business climate where the internet, social media, and technology create a lot of static, It's crucial to develop a clear brand voice to cut through all the noise. Building a brand is a really exciting process, so get pumped up about it. Whether you need a logo to launch your brand, a t-shirt to show it off, or a website to bring it all online, 99designs is a great place to build your brand. Visit 99designs.com slash fire and get a $99 power pack of services free. That's 99designs.com slash fire. Great businesses are driven by great customer experiences, and that's a fact. According to the American Express survey, three in five people would try a new brand or company for a better service experience. That's more than 50%. That's what makes Ruby so great. Their highly trained team of receptionists can handle all your nationwide calls with a perfect mix of friendliness and professionalism. With Ruby, you'll elevate your business to stand out from the competition simply by being there when your customers need you most. At Ruby, it's not just about what they do, it's how they do it. Think of Ruby as your company's ambassador. Exclusive offer, Fire Nation. Use promo code FIRE. And in addition to your 14-day free trial, you'll receive 5% off all pricing plans plus free activation, a $95 value. That's callruby.com slash FIRE, promo code FIRE. Michael, welcome to the lightning round where you get to share incredible resources and mind-blowing answers. Sound like a plan? Sounds like a plan. Let's do it. What was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur? 
I didn't want to be one. I didn't want to have the responsibilities, the headaches. Didn't want to make a, have to uh, uh, make payroll twice a month. Didn't want any of it. Now I love it. What is the best advice you've ever received? <laughs> Always have a way to reverse the flow. And what I mean by that is that my business mentor, when he was a, uh, a, 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 a in college, he had a job unloading, uh, emptying out septic tanks. And if people wouldn't pay him, he'd just say, no problem. I'm just going to reverse the flow. And they'd come running out of the door with checks. So always, <laughs> always protect yourself. Always have a way to reverse the flow of the you-know-what. <laughs> oh, love that. Share one of your personal habits that you do have, Michael, that you believe contributes to your success. Do it now and make a decision and stick with it. Uh, Frank Capra was the great director of uh, so many great movies in, in the middle of the 20th century. And he said that when he started on his first picture, everybody was coming to him, the cinematographer, the gaffer, where do I do this? How do I light the scene? And he said the only time they got angry when it was when he didn't make a decision. He figured he'd be right at least half the time. And being right at least half the time gave us some of the greatest movies we've ever seen. So my, my, my response is always make the decision and don't, think back, don't look back on it. Don't unmake it. Move on to the next thing and keep, keep going. You'll be right at least half the time. Speed of implementation, Fire Nation, is critical, and I do love that quote. A good decision now is better than a great decision later. And Michael, do you have an internet resource like an Evernote that you can share with our listeners? Uh, yeah, my favorite thing on the, well, my, my favorite thing that I can talk about in public on the internet, <laughs> or maybe we can bring Barbara Corcoran back, <laughs> but uh, no, I don't mean to disrespect to her. Uh, I, I love Politico.com, Politico, uh, the Mike Allen playbook. It's a one-page uh, daily update of what's really happening in, in politics, in, uh, in the world, in media, and it's fun. It's a quick, easy read. Everybody in Washington uh, starts their day with Mike Allen's playbook, and, it's, and, and, and you can subscribe to it. You can just go look at it. But for me, it's one of the, the first things I do, uh, either first thing in the morning or on a break, is I'll read that, and that way I know what to read, I know what's going on, and it's a heck of a lot better than uh, sort of messing around with uh, uh, you know, s- s- uh, ESPN, which I also enjoy. But, uh, so that's, that's what I would say, Mike Allen, uh, Politico.com playbook. If you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be and why? Well, it would be a book called The Future of Books is in Your Hands. And it explains the future of independent publishing and why it's just as good to write a book uh, yourself and publish it yourself than try to get a deal with the major publishers. And the reason I like it so much is because I wrote it. And if any of you, <laughs> and if any of your listeners write to me at michael at businessghost.com, I'll send them a copy for free. Wow. Be a little careful about what you wish for, Michael. Fire Nation is chock full of action takers. Bring it on, Michael at businessghost.ghost.com. I don't care if I have to print 10,000 and mail them out. Uh, John, it'll be my pleasure to take care of of every one of your listeners. Wow, that is amazing. And Fire Nation, just like I know you love books, I know you love audiobooks too. So I've teamed up with Audible. And if you haven't already, you can get an amazing audiobook for free at eofirebook.com. And Michael, this next question's the last of the lightning round, but it's a doozy. Imagine you woke up tomorrow morning in a brand new world. 
identical to earth, but you knew no one. You still have all the experience and knowledge you currently have, your food and shelter taken care of, but all you have is a laptop and $500. What would you do in the next seven days? No, I'd find out where the singles bars were. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I got got $500. Right. What I would really do, uh, John, I would start making friends. And I'll tell you why. I heard Tony Robbins in a seminar, a sales seminar 15 years ago. He looked out at 6,000 people in the Universal Amphitheater and he said, none of you works for a living. Work is digging ditches or breaking up roads. What you do all day long and what you are paid to do is make friends. So I would start making friends because, uh, you know, when you've got friends, you'll be okay. And, and, and they'll lead to business. They'll lead to uh, 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 social interactions. They'll lead to everything. So that's the advice that I would I would leave your listeners with is just go out there and make some new friends and uh, and keep up the relationships with your old friends. Relationships, Fire Nation, that's the critical word. I mean, it is the key to success in this world right now. And Michael, let's end today on fire with you sharing one parting piece of guidance, the best way that we can connect with you, then we'll say goodbye. You've worked so hard to learn so much about your field and to know how to serve people. And there's no reason for you to keep that information a secret. And I, I, I don't think people really want to read books today. What they want to do is they want to find the guy or they want to find the woman who can solve their problem. And so you want to create leadership through authorship. And that's what we do. And the easiest way to get a hold of us is to go to business ghost, G-H-O-S-T, like CasperTheFriendlyGhost.com. And, uh, and, and you can write to me at Michael at Business Ghost, or you can contact Sarah, S-A-R-A without an H, Sarah at BusinessGhost.com, and we will be very, very happy to see how we can serve you and, uh, and, and create the authorship that, that, uh, that creates the leadership uh, that you need to succeed. So that's, the, that's my pitch. Fire Nation, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with, and you have been hanging out with Michael and JLD today, so keep up the heat and head over to eofire.com. Just type Michael in the search bar. His show notes page will pop right up with links to everything that he's been talking about in today's episode. Don't forget, Michael at businessghost.com will get you his book, The Future of Books is in Your Hands. Uh, The future of you getting that book in your hands, Fire Nation, is in your hands by just emailing Michael, amazingly generous offer. And then, of course, businessghost.com is where all their magic happens. Michael, thank you for sharing your journey with Fire Nation today. And for that, my friends, we salute you and we'll catch you on the flip side. Thank you so much for joining me today on Entrepreneur on Fire. Head over to eofire.com for links and recaps of every show and so much more. Is it time to create an amazing webinar you love? Well, you can in just 10 days with our free course at thewebinarcourse.com. Ignite. Ignite.